We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 317. Opening weekend in the book, Scott. Oh, man, what a tour de force of suck that was on Saturday and Sunday. But I think the appropriate way to start this episode is you need to apologize to not only me, but all of our listeners out there for predicting 19-0 against the Baltimore Orioles. And here we are on Monday, or after the game on Sunday night, and the Yankees are 1-2. and two. Okay, here's the deal. I will never apologize for anything I say. The, the, the first thing is, one, you... Are the reason we do these uh, we the reason we do these these bold predictions quote unquote you copped out with your wipe my ass uh, little prediction or whatever it is you copped out didn't actually make predictions but I did I stuck to them I just I made some and not only that when I did this Baltimore prediction pr- uh, prediction it was me talking about the Yankees should win every single game because they should. And that's the damn truth. They should win against this team. I actually said 17 wins. Didn't say 19. But you started yes, out 19, they should. and then you realized you stuck your foot in your mouth. No, no, no. I just knew I wasn't going there. You were, you, it a bit. you were, you were, you were egging it on for 19. It's fine. It doesn't matter. 19, 17. It doesn't matter. They should win a shit ton of games against the Baltimore Orioles because they're a horrible team. And anybody who thinks going into a game with the Orioles that the Yankees should lose. You're crazy. You're you're absolutely crazy. So when you think of that mentality and you said, this is like, I mean, I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, um, the Yankees playing the Red Sox, Yankees playing the Astros, Yankees playing the Oakland A's. They should win it. I'm like, okay, yeah, they, they should win it. They're playing well right now, but I could see them losing it. I can't see them losing games to the Orioles. Well, and then this like weekend that, happens. I could see it because that was ugly. Yeah, we got beat by a bunch of people that nobody has any idea who they are. Any idea. And why did they lose? 
because they played terribly. And it's so frustrating to like start the season off with a series like this. It's so frustrating to start a season off with a, uh, with a series that is just sloppy. And you said I didn't really make predictions. I think that's unfair. I think I had some predictions in there. No, your, your predictions were horseshit. What I was really you, doing... And you know it. And what you know I was it. really doing is just shedding light on the fact that predictions are stupid. And no okay. one's ever right in their bold predictions. Every baseball writer out there, every Twitter baseball person out there, everybody who follows baseball always has bold predictions. And guess how many of them end up being right? None yeah. of them. They're stupid. Yet we continue to do them. That was what I was trying to go for. I think some people got what I was doing with the wipe my ass and the John Sterling London home run calls, which I still think is my best one. But still, here we are after an ugly weekend of baseball. It almost feels like, you know, opening day was Thursday afternoon, then Friday they didn't play. It's, it's like I don't even remember Thursday. Thursday, we were all so excited. Everything went right on Thursday. Everything went wrong Saturday, Sunday, including a three-plus-hour rain delay just to torture us even more. A three-plus-hour rain delay, then a three-hour, uh, three-hour and forty-eight-minute game on top of that. So yeah, the, to the people all that were at the stadium and stayed the entire time, I saw Joe's McFly was in there making videos and like doing doing things and stayed the entire game. Like tip tip of the cap because that's a long-ass day on a Sunday. Eight plus um, hours. <laughs> yeah, in like, just miserable weather. That's a that's a long day. But yeah, it was. Um, it started off with the with a bang, right? Like we we started off with Luke Voigt being Paul Bunyan and hitting that three run home run to start the game, to start the season, and Tanaka, you know, pitching well, and uh, and then even into Saturday, like with with Paxton, like coming out, throwing up zeros, pitching well, and exciting because it's exciting when you see a left hander get up on the mound and throw ninety seven miles an hour and paint corners like that's cool that's fun to watch we have a guy like that that can do that now and i'm really excited for him during the season but you know ever since um he gave up a you know a couple runs on some nonsense the the wheels fell off for the rest of the weekend yeah we're going to get into everything i think we're going to start with just bitching about all the things that went wrong and and really just highlighting why they did lose end up losing two out of three to a terrible team there were some positives though like you said paxton i i, I loved what dj lemay who did all weekend Tulo hits yeah. his first homer so there's some positives we're going to talk about quickly though let's just uh just remind people april 13th is the first bp crew regular season event of the season it is a saturday afternoon game uh it's like a week and a half away. This Wednesday, correct, is the is the cutoff day to buy tickets. Yes, this Wednesday is the is the final uh, is the cutoff so that we can get all of the t shirts in. Very last day that we will be selling any tickets. It is a great deal, sixty nine dollars. You get a game ticket in section two hundred five. Your game ticket comes with a hot dog and a beer in the stadium. You know how much that costs ordinarily. So right there, you're you're already coming out ahead. Plus a custom T-shirt. They're awesome every single time. I had somebody on Twitter me, Twitter ask me today, hey, do you have a picture of last year's T-shirt? I said, everyone was different. Every one of them is awesome. I sent that video that you put out today from Bronx Pinstripes. So if you guys didn't come to an event last year and are just wondering, you know, what are these events all about? Go check out the, uh, the little video montage on at Bronx Pinstripes. That was tweeted out on Sunday. Uh, you kind of get the vibe of what these events are. Just a bunch of people, you know, having beers, talking Yankees baseball, getting rowdy during the game. You know, we were up on the jumbo trial and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're awesome. Cannot wait for the first event. Hopefully by that time, Yankees are playing a little bit better baseball. Absolutely. I mean, they better be. They're going to be playing the White Sox too. So we should be scoring some runs. That's right, scoring some runs. And they had billions of opportunities this weekend. What is uh what does Aaron Boone like to say? Traffic on the base paths? Do you think there was enough traffic on the base paths this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they uh on today, well just just talking about today because it's fresh in the mind still. 28 runners left on base. 28 left, combined, left on base. Combined when you add up the tally of everyone. Because yeah, yeah so that's I, not just that's not just runners in scoring position. That's no, just no, left no. on base total. So there is a little bit I've gone back and forth with people on this. So there's team left on base and player left on base. When you add up individually how many each person on the team left on base, it was 28. But you know, you can only leave a guy on base. The guy can only be left on base once, if that makes sense. For a team. But still, it doesn't matter. Eight, uh, 11 men left on base on Saturday. They were 3-for-9 with runners in scoring position that day. And then 2-for-12 with runners in scoring position on Sunday. 14 as a team left on base. Like you said, 28 when you tally it all up for each player in the box score. Uh, Saturday, I point to Andujar's ground ball double play in the first inning. 
the Orioles are bullpenning. So you get the first guy in there, Carnes, on the ropes, let him off the hook. Jimmy Yacobonis from uh, Jersey comes in, actually looks pretty nasty, and shut the Yankees' bats down. And then Sunday, they got change up to death for, by uh, John Means. Like the, these, these pitchers who, like you said, never heard of, don't even belong in the major leagues, half of them. Making the Yankees batters, like Stanton is up there, swings and misses on three changeups. Like it, it appeared Giancarlo Stanton just found out that a changeup was a real pitch today. Like he didn't know that thing existed before that at bat. That's how he looked. You know, the, um, the change, I mean, the change up was used often <laughs> by, by every that pitch, every kid. strike was a change up. Yeah, Fastball mean, that, high and away, change up, swing and strike. It, it's like how many times do I have to watch that? That 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 kid has, you know, a pretty good changeup for the for, for that's his pitch. Obviously, that's his pitch, and the Yankees could not hit it last year. Last year around this time, we're watching Stanton uh, struggle to hit anything that's high in the zone uh, that has you know fastball velocity. I remember, I'll, we'll always remember the at bat by Justin Verlander just going fastball, 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 strike, strike three. He couldn't touch it, and we saw him struggle actually to uh, to get around on the uh, on the high fastball again. Um, even after he, you know, he worked that walk, which could have very well been a strikeout, but it was a, uh, it was a struggle to see it. And when you're seeing these guys with no names <laughs> that that have names, but nobody has any idea what they are, and they're just dominating your your literally your 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 insane lineup of batters. When you look at all of the names in this on this uh, lineup card, and you see how badly they were abused by this Orioles staff, it's embarrassing. And but I it's- can't believe I'm saying that on Game Three. Of the season, but it's not even like they dominated them because the Yankees had runners on base every single inning. When every it mattered, inning, when it mattered, they didn't do a damn. No, thing. I know that, but every inning they're getting guys on base, and that's what happened last year too. That's why it's so frustrating. And I understand the Yankees just in general are going to probably have a lower batting average with runners in scoring position because they have so many opportunities. There's just so many damn opportunities. You can't come through all the time. But what were they? Six for twenty-nine, I believe, in the in the in the first three games of the season. The one hit they had on Thursday with runners in scoring position was Voigt's three-run bomb. Yeah. So yeah. like, and Lemayhu then pretty much carried the Le, rest. Lemayhu was fantastic. Every at bat he was battling, putting the bat on the ball. Exactly what we said, you know. Exactly balance. Uh, they need the balance. They got LeMahieu for that balance in the lineup to give them a different look, to give them a different at bat, to work the count, to get the singles the other way, to spray the ball all over the place. You know, kind of how baseball was used to be and and was was fun and how it's meant to be played to like hit the ball where the people are not. Not just swing and miss or hit a home run. It's but it, it's a it's a different it's a different type of player and he, it's, he's doing but, exactly that. It's also the the tone of his at-bats where he was locked in. And Judge had a lot of good at-bats, too. He had, uh, I know he struck out a few times in a couple of big spots on Sunday, but he also had a two-RBI single at one point. But these other guys, these the Stanton at-bats, Gardner's at-bats were terrible all weekend. Voight uh, over the weekend struggled. And Duhar, I think, my dad texted me, he said, uh, and Duhar's left the city of Manhattan on base and it's only game three. Like, <laughs> it's just like... I don't see with Andujar though. It's for me. It's a little different because I think he was just pressing a bit and just wasn't. Um, he's still making you know making contact and 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 uh, putting bat to ball and putting the ball in play. It's just I feel like he was pressing a little too hard early and, and was just not making great contact. He does leave the guys on obviously because when he was up, but you know he's not sitting there with like a meaningless at bat and striking out and just like having a bad at bat. I, to me, it feels different when when you're uh, when you're putting the bat to the ball still when with the runners on base. And the approach like was frustrating. Like you hear O'Neill on the broadcast. I think it was Sanchez's at bat, not the home run, but the one before that he was analyzing, where it was just change up, change up, change up, and he was out in front every time. O'Neill's like Sanchez is not trying to go the other way on these change ups. He's trying to pull the ball into the left field seats, and it's just not going to work. Well, he did. He pulled the ball in the left field. But season. it was the next at bat. It wasn't. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was the solo home run. It wasn't when there was two runners on base and right. and like uh, a line drive to right field would have been beautiful. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because you know when there's nobody on base and you're a guy like Sanchez, that pitcher most likely is probably going to take some more chances too, with uh you know with that particular situation. So there's a, it's a very different you know when you're looking at the the at bats and the timing of the at bats and then the result of the at bat, you know. 
it doesn't it's not what you want you want you want the home run with the runners on base yes you you love the home run even when there's nobody on base but you can just see that there's a different approach and and it's it's unfortunate but again third game of the season no I, I know I, and like I, I, I gotta like I gotta like pull myself back a little bit because no you know I, I feel like when we're because we've we've done the show you know throughout the year for this is now our fourth year we really haven't stopped. Like it, it's like the season stops, but it doesn't kind of. So the frustration level comes back very fast. Well, here's the and thing. And it came back very fast today. Here, well, Yeah, here's the thing. So any t- I hate that if I criticize the team, if I tweet something out and it's criticism, you get half the people agreeing and half the people saying, it's March. What are you complaining about? What's the date that I can complain and not hear that? Like yeah, what? No. What is the cutoff point in the game? Because it's not like the Yankees just went out there against a good team, and it's like Justin Verlander shuts you down for eight innings. Like tip of the cap, let's move on to the next day. No, the Yankees had a billion people on base and they couldn't get a freaking base hit. Like, why am I not allowed to be upset about that? Even if it's game one, game ten, game one hundred, or game one sixty two, like every game counts equal. So. They squandered opportunities against the worst team in baseball, and they lost two out of three. At home on opening home weekend. Yeah, that's not good. Like, well, so so what does it matter if it's only March 31st as we're sitting here recording? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I have to tell myself that I think sometimes just to like pull myself back and reel my head back in and not get too too frustrated. This is more of like self-medication here and just trying to talk myself off of a ledge uh, that I'm at for game three and like realize that there's no ledge at game three. No, but, but neither of us are saying that the team's done. Oh, I mean, oh, come on, come on. That would the, be asinine, and anyone the, who is saying that is either that's like, trolling that's like believing, or an that's idiot. Like believing if someone thinks the team's going to go nineteen and zero against another team. <laughs> but like, <laughs> why? But why aren't we? And I think you, you, we are. But why? You know, we are allowed to be frustrated over what happened this weekend. No doubt, and and one of the one of the reasons I think why it's so frustrating is because it's the same problems. It's the same problems that we had last year. The the frustrations that that are are coming about right now, early in the season, first series are the same problems that we've had last year. And I honestly like the year before that and the year before that. The runners on runners in scoring position, um, the average with the guys with runners on is just. It's it's I feel like it's never going to go away. I feel like it'll never go away. And maybe it's just uh, also because of the changing of the time and the way that baseball is played now, we're going to see that more and more is that it, those averages will be lower when there are runners in scoring position because it's so hit or miss. And when you see the problems that that plagued you last year and, and ended your season come back to you in the very first weekend of the series uh, of the season, then it's that's frustrating. So that's. And I, and, I, and I think that's exactly what Judge was talking about in his Saturday post-game comments where he said we have to have the mindset that our backs are against the walls every single game. Yeah. You know, he, he was talking, uh, harping back to the 17 playoffs where they were down to Cleveland, down to Houston, played with their backs against the walls. And obviously, like, no one is saying that you could possibly go through a 162-game season and treat it like you're down 0-2 in a playoff series. Like, that is not feasible. However... I think what Judge was really saying is we cannot go out there and just waste these opportunities like we had on Saturday. And I'm sure like he's saying wasted opportunities on Sunday and expect to win a championship because it won't happen if they continue to waste those opportunities, especially against teams you should be crushing. This is, I mean, isn't this really the evolution of, of Aaron Judge just becoming more of a professional, more of a leader, and these guys all having time under their belt now and, and knowing what they know, and, you know, whether they meant to or not, but in the past probably took some games early in the season, maybe middle of the season for granted a little bit, thinking that, oh, there is the next day. Not having that mentality, well, every single win uh, matters because when you look at the end of the season, you can you can look back and count the losses that should have been wins, and there's your division or there's your playoff spot or whatever. I think this is more like it's it's a it's a mindset that that needs to happen, but I think it only happens at a certain point when they start turning that professionalism up and realizing where they are and what they're doing. Right, and we talked about you know six out of the first nine against Baltimore. Um, only five games in April against teams that had winning records last year. Do you know what that means? That means games are going to be harder later in the season when you got to play more games against uh, Boston and more games against Tampa and Oakland and Cleveland and Minnesota, teams that are better than the Orioles and the White Sox and the Tigers. <laughs> well, yeah. 
I mean, every every team is probably going to be better than uh, you just said. Three of the worst teams. I mean, the Tigers are going to be really, but, really. But that's bad. what I'm saying. That's who they're playing. I, I understand that. <laughs> like yeah, this, this, I get these it. couple weeks, like they start the season playing Baltimore, Detroit, and then the White Sox. And that's the thing. Like they have to take advantage of of that in front of them. Like this is a very good opportunity. And whether it comes right now in the beginning of the season, or if it comes in July, or if it comes in June or August or whatever, it doesn't matter when this this opportunity comes. It's still the same opportunity, and they have to take advantage of it. So I think that's one of the one of the things where people are are overlooking. Like, yeah, okay, it's the first weekend of the series of the season. It's the first three series of the season. But guess what? That's a lot of games when you look at it against bad teams. That if this if this little stretch came in uh, in August, you better damn well expect every single fan is, is thinking they they got to come out with a, a, an insane record and will lose their shit if they don't. But now because it's April, it doesn't matter as much. No, that's just not accurate. That's just not true. It does. They have to take advantage of it. You know what else I saw this weekend that um, you see every single season, and it's it's officially annoyed me it's the people who say well you know the 1998 yankees started out one and four right one and four <laughs> but it's like how how long are we going to talk about the 1998 yankees starting it's, out how one about, and four? how, how, how many how many years any, we're 21 correlation we're, we're 21 years away there's from no that. correlation between any team maybe maybe like back-to-back years if you have some guys but even like you you go two years apart the rosters look totally different so who you, gives a shit you want a correlation for you Hey, last year the Yankees really struggled in the early part of the season uh, against Baltimore, and it came back to haunt them when they when they uh, didn't win the go. division. Oh, look what's happening again! There's a and correlation. And this is this is a much worse Baltimore team too. This is a this oh yeah. is a team that, that one had Manny Machado. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and lots of other guys that are good. Jonathan Beckham, Scope. who's a much better Beckham, who'd probably be their best player right now. Adam Jones, uh, you know, they have a they had a, a a bunch of players. Yeah, Scope for the first half. So they actually had some uh, some some players on that team. Yeah, you know what else we saw this weekend is just bad defense. Um, we're going to talk about Paxton's start. I thought his defense totally let him down in the sixth inning. Sanchez had a couple terrible throws into uh, into the runners. One of them car- uh, caromed off the runner, then the other one went into center field. Like Gary Sanchez, his strongest part of his defense was his throwing arm. He was uh, obviously we all know his blocking issues. He was a pretty average league average receiver as far as framing ability and stuff like that but he was an above average thrower well what happened this weekend because he made bad throws yeah i mean I, there's there's i don't know it's <laughs> the ball sailed on him it's early in the season andrew they got to get their bearings they got to get into the games the weather was cold it was it raining it's pretty nice on saturday it was like 60 degrees in new york on saturday yeah, it was no it was beautiful um <laughs> there's there's uh you know uh, I, I, I do understand this. Like in the beginning of the season, all teams are probably going to play pretty sloppy. Like it's usually some sloppy games going on in the first couple of weeks. That's usually the case. And maybe that's what the Orioles uh, is like the great equalizer, the sloppiness of, of, of the games. And when you're a bad team and you play sloppy, you know, maybe you don't play as sloppy on a given day. I don't know, whatever it is, but they just got to get it together. That's it. That's that's all. Uh, that's all that matters. Indulge me as I criticize some bullpen management on Sunday afternoon. Mm. So, the Yankees. Who, who are we criticizing though? First, that's who I want to know. So, so it might be Boone. It might be the nerds. I don't know. There, there's some math in here, so I think I'm going to blame this one on the nerds. So the Yankees are chipping away, and it's five to three, down by two runs. Zach Britton warms up. They don't bring him in. The Yankees then get a home run by Gary Sanchez to make it 5-4. to four, And then they bring in Stephen Tarpley, who promptly gives up a two-run home run. So they were down by two and were warming up Zach Britton. And then they were down by one, which last time I checked, you know, I'm not one of Brian Cashman's nerds, but I can know the difference between one and two. One is less than two. Then they bring in Stephen Tarpley. Right. How so does see- that make sense? Because Stephen Tarpley's the better pitcher, is that is that maybe he's also a left-hander, so maybe uh, maybe that's they think that Stephen Tarpley's stuff is better. Here, here's the, the the bigger atrocity in this situation: they had a right-handed bat up with uh, Ricard, who uh, did hit the home run. They had first base open. There were two outs. There was a runner on second base. The runner was already in scoring position. Who was on deck? Chris Davis, one of the worst baseball players that has ever played this game, who has a ridiculous contract. And is, uh, is just like he's over the century. The guy can't hit anything. You have a lefty on the mound, a lefty on the mound, a righty up who hits, who hits lefties well. I looked up his stats, Ricard. Like if you're looking at his splits, 
they're much better against uh, left-handed pitching. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm saying like this. This is not not the guy I wanted to go against Harpley. I'm looking who's on deck, and it's it's you know swing and miss Crash Davis over there. What are you doing? Put the guy on first base, or if we're not going to do that, how about we bring in somebody to pitch to the uh, the right-handed bat instead of going at with Tarpley? It's there were there were so many things that just didn't make any goddamn sense. It was like they were punting the game, even though it was still a very close game. Yeah, I, it makes no sense. And, and then, then in Kane, the ninth, and then Canley comes in. Canley comes in immediately, loads the bases, yeah. and, and then they they start warming up Chad Green. It's like at this point, like what is it? And Canley ended up getting out of it, which, which is like beside the point. It's no outs with the bases loaded and Chad Green starts warming up. Best case scenario, you stall, you bring in Chad Green, and he only gives up one run. And then you burn Chad Green for, for probably no reason. The numbers <laughs> must have said that, uh, that, that Tommy Canley was going to throw more strikes after he walked three guys. Right. Backs you know, the, against the, the wall. That's, that's what Judge is talking about. You got to play like your backs against the wall. So maybe Canley, all he needs to do, he Setting doesn't need to drink Red Bull. He just needs to Houdini. It's like we found a new Houdini. Well, no, he needed to put himself in a situation that was like, you know, almost like drinking a Red Bull. <laughs> and that's loading the bases. Yeah, get the uh, heartbeat. Putting up. the bases up. Yeah, you got to get it going. Rate. So let's walk them going. Walk, walk the bases full, and then I'll try to get out of it. But, you know, I mean, he even had three, uh, three balls on the – on the batter with the bases loaded too, so he was he was very very close to a disaster and and somehow worked out of it. Mm. But yeah, it was a it was a it's the inning before with the Tarpley giving up the the home run to Joy Ricard and having uh, Davis on deck with the base wide open. I mean, there's nobody standing on first base. It was wide open. Well, you guys, you know, probably did not enjoy the results of the Yankees games. Maybe you did well in fantasy baseball this weekend. I I did a, a draft. I don't know. I tweeted out. I saw. Uh, some people were replying, I did not do well because I picked a lot of Yankees on Saturday. I thought they were going to come out swinging. I had Voight on my lineup. I had Judge in my lineup and Paxton. So as you can imagine, I did not do well. But I did it on uh, a new app that we have been talking about. It's called Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Drafts drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. There are no trades. You don't have to worry about the waiver wire. You just set it and forget it. The best part is you can play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Scott, I know uh, you've done fantasy baseball in the past as well, but it's a long season, so sometimes you just want to get in for a day, get some action for a day, and then move on. No, there's no doubt about it. I like uh, I like the, the the fact that it's short and you can do it. So dra- join me on Draft today. Just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer at Draft.com. And for a limited time only, the Bronx Pinstripe Show listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. You have to use the promo code BRONX. That's right. Play real money games for free. Just use the promo code BRONX when you, dra- when you make your first deposit. Search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and enter promo code BRONX. All right, let's talk about some positives because I think there were some this weekend. Paxton, he made his debut. He got the loss, but I think his defense let him down. There was a couple soft hits in the inning. Gardner made a, a weak throw from center field. You know, the Yankees do really miss Hicks's arm in center. And then Gary Sanchez had a throwing error. And then before you knew it, the the Orioles had the lead. But what I saw from Paxton in innings one through five, he was working efficiently. He was throwing a ton of fastballs and he was throwing a ton of strikes. Yeah, and and like I said earlier, the kid's throwing 97 miles per hour. He's just like that that prototypical Hoss lefty up there. And uh and it's it's fun to watch, man. I like I, I was really enjoying watching him go. He's got that he's got that mentality. It just seems like he's gonna do well here and fit in and really doesn't seem like much bothers him. He just kind of goes about his business. And, you know, he was working the counts well, you know, getting ahead and like you said, throwing throwing a ton of fastballs and we're seeing upper nineties in there. Um fun to watch. I'm really excited about him. I think he's gonna be very good for this team. Power fastball up in the zone has been his bread and butter pitch. He th- he's thrown in his career about 65% fastballs. And I think it's very interesting on how this works with the Yankees coaching staff and Rothschild because we know like they, they like to go off-speed heavy. Tanaka throws a ton of off-speed pitches. Sonny Gray bitched and moaned about them wanting them to throw too many sliders. So how is Paxton going to develop with this coaching staff this season? I think it's really interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I don't. So when you're looking at the uh, 
you know, the ratio of breaking balls to fastballs that, that Rothschild is, it's in his history and how he, uh, you know, he mentors people and teaches them and kind of a philosophy on his end. You know, I, I think that at the same time, you're looking at a guy who went on the field when he's been pitching. I know he's been limited to, uh, you know, he's not a 200 inning guy so far. He's had these, these injuries that have, that have crept up on him. But you're seeing a guy that has success working off the fastball. I don't think Rothschild is going to go in and say, okay, I see a good fastball. I see him working well off that fastball. Let's change that totally. I think you might see little wrinkles. I think one of the big reasons why you know we saw other guys like quote Sonny Gray was throwing less was because the pitches weren't effective. Like he just wasn't executing. I'm seeing Paxton. I mean, granted, it's only been one start, and we've seen him only for you know five five plus innings. But the guy can execute his fastball. He can work off of his fastball fastball in a very efficient way. So, you know, I, I I'm sure his numbers will be a little different than what we've seen in the past, but. I don't think they're going to be totally drastically different. No, and I don't expect him to go from throwing 65% fastballs down to 40% or 30% fastballs. Um, but we saw that kind of uh, – we saw a precipitous drop in Sonny Gray. There was a point in the season uh, – That's because he's a bad pitcher right it, now. I, and he's probably a bad example too, right? Right. Yeah, I but, think so. But uh, we've seen other guys come over. For a lot of you know, things. J-Hap stunk today, but J-Hap last year came over and still threw, threw a ton of fastballs. You know, it's kind of interesting. Paxton and Hap have similar approaches. Paxton's stuff is a lot better. He's a lot younger. But as far as, like, you know, power fastball, in on righties, up in the zone, that is the kind of uh, pitcher that both Hap and Paxton are. Yeah, I mean, pa- I mean, Hap doesn't obviously have the same pop, and he's, he's in there, uh, you know, he's got to locate... He's got to locate more and, and, you know, rely on his location, whereas Paxton can, you know, miss and still blow a fastball by a guy. Uh, Hap doesn't really have that luxury. Hap's like, what, 30, 93, 94 max. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're similar in approach in that way. I, I see that. Yeah, and I don't know what happened with Hap today. Uh, he had a bad spring, you know, throw out spring numbers. We, we joked about that a million times. But he got, he got hit pretty hard in the first couple innings. He only threw four innings today against the Orioles. I thought it was weird. Like, we sit through a three-hour rain delay, and then they start the game, and it's still raining. And then it stops raining, like, in the second inning. Like, if you're going to wait three hours and 17 minutes, why, do, why don't you just wait another 20 minutes? Because they wanted to get it in before primetime TV tonight. They want, you know, they got things to do. They got things on the uh, on the uh, schedule. Well, if that's actually the there, reason, that's... I actually think there's there's a lot of alternative uh, motivations when you get to a point. They saw that it was clearing out, and they're just like, let's let's move forward. Right, but what if what if it? I don't know. Maybe Hap just had a bad day, regardless. But what if it affected him in the first inning? I'm sure it did. When you sit for four hours or three, however many hours it was, three hours before you get up after you've already started. Or, you know, you're mentally getting in the... It's got to affect what you do on a given day. Not that that is an excuse, and I'm sure Jay Happ would never use that as an excuse either, but it does. He served up a ball that was, you know, hit to... Uh, hit, hit, like, very far in left field. Into the bleachers. Um, that that was not... Left. Yeah, that was not... You know, it just... It didn't look like he was sharp early on. And then he, he you know, he, he got a little bit better after that. But um, it was just... A, it was a bad freaking day. It was a bad day. I'm chalking it up. Bad day. Bad weekend. <laughs> Bad day. Moving on. Yeah, uh, I had to, I had to kill a snake today. Oh, I heard. Uh, I I saw the whole uh, the whole video on Twitter. I, I hate so snakes. So I gotta this, t- I gotta tell this story. We are not a snake podcast. I gotta tell this story. I gotta get away from baseball for a second because this is utterly ridiculous. I was going to like do some yard work. I'm going uh, to. I have to go to Home Depot to get something, and I'm literally walking to my car, and a snake just right there on the side of the driveway in the grass, snake in the grass, literally not a big snake, two feet or ish. And I try to get it and it goes under my car. Long story short, I, I'm trying to push it out and this damn snake goes in the car. Why did you have up. the door open? There was a door open. It was under the car and it went up into the car, into like the, the underbody oh, of the car. Oh, I thought it went into no. like your door. No, the doors were not open. It went up and in. When you when it goes up and in, in the car from inside from the dead center because it was like dead center underneath my car, where does it go? You know damn well it could find its way inside the car if it wanted yeah, to. Snakes are slithery. Who knows? And, and this was a, not a huge thing, so it's in the car. And like I'm, I'm at a point now. <laughs> I, I'm like I, I don't even know what to do here. The, this is this is a very different situation that I've ever been in because how do you know it, it, it's gone? How do you know the snake leaves? Yeah, I was you, literally going, I had my wife 
standing at the foot of the driveway with our son watching either side of the car just to see if it went out while I go inside because I'm going to try to get it out still, but I don't, I can't sit there all day and like stare under my car to see if it leaves. How else would I know? Bevan will never drive that car again if she thinks there's a snake in there. It's, it was just, we, I'd literally have to throw the car away. Yeah. You'd have to so, push that thing off a cliff. I'd never get in that car. I've so never been I, in that car, but I'd never get in that car if there's a snake in there. I was in the middle of setting up a computer in my, in my garage and a, and a, and a camera. And I was going to do, I was just going to record it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was live just, stream the snake. I'm gonna, I'm more interesting than the Yankee game today. We're going, yeah, we're going to go to snake watch. It's about to be snake watch. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to record it. Like I had everything set up and then the damn thing comes out and, uh, and I take his head off, and that's with it. a with a rake or something with a with shovel? a shovel. One yeah, nice. one shot right right in the right in the jugular. What kind of snake was it? You know, I think it was like, like a, a little, garden snake or it something. It was a brown garden snake, yeah. But you know, yeah. I'm no snake expert, and I wasn't trying to uh, mess around. It was it was done. And I'm sorry for anybody who loves animals and is going to yell at me. I'm sure I'll get emails for killing a snake. But you know what? It's my livelihood at that point. I will take out a snake, a squirrel, uh, a bird, anything that tries to enter my car or my house. I think snakes are one of those animals that people don't really get upset about if you kill. Maybe. I'm sure there are people that will. Sure. I mean, there's snake people out there. Like you had your snake guy in your fret. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it went in my car. Like it was, it was, it was attacking me at that point. I was just trying to go to Home Depot (laughs) and the snake and the snake was guarding my door. I'm very comfortable stating clearly that we here at the Bronx Pinstripe Show are not a snake podcast. Not a snake podcast. I hope that's the last time I have to talk about snakes. <laughs> well, let's talk about DJ LeMahieu, who was probably my favorite player to watch this weekend yeah. because he had good at bat after good at bat. He made so many nice plays at third base. He had the hit with runs in scoring position on, on Saturday. He had great at bats today uh, with runners on base. He saw, I believe, 18 pitches. Did, was it 18 pitches in his first two at-bats, both walks, just grinding out these at-bats, and then later in the game, he punches a ball to right field. So just a really solid debut um, at third and at second base this weekend. Yeah, man, he's just a hell of a baseball player. You can tell that you know, on the, on the defensive side, he's smooth. He, he kind of glides to the ball. He's just a... You could tell he, he, could, he could probably play anywhere. I'm surprised he hasn't played... Because he, he played shortstop at... At, in college, I think, right? I, I'm curious as to why he never went back there when he was at Colorado and played second base, and now he's playing some third. But shortstop's not really as much of an option. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's just because of his his footwork and he's just not as quick. But everything looked good to me today or this weekend. He's uh, very smooth, got a strong arm, um, and then yeah, at the plate, just his approach up there, uh, the ability to go the other way is is one of the reasons I think that he was brought in here. It plays to his game plays very well to Yankee Stadium. And then also it's super complimentary to all the um, you know home run swing and miss guys that we have on this team. Yeah, and I could actually see um what they did was they gave Andujar the DH day on Saturday. LeMahieu got the start at third and then they gave Tulo the day off and then moved Torres over and LeMahieu got the start at second. And, you know, this is not to bash Andujar because I, I like Andujar and I like that he is continuing to get better. But my God, do you see the difference between the two third basemen just watching them, uh, you know, in a couple games? Yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, LeMahieu's just smooth. And when you see a guy that's smooth out in the field, it just looks so much better than a guy that is, you know, choppy with his footwork. And, and to be fair, Andujar made some nice plays towards the line today. Yeah, and he and- got... Unfortunately for Andujar, like the plays weren't completed and they weren't necessarily his fault. Like the one on opening day that Voigt couldn't scoop, and then the one today where it was just he made a nice stab to the backhand just with a late, a little bit of a late throw. I, well, I don't even think anybody else he he gets that guy. I mean, he made a really nice play, a strong throw, and there was just the kid was a fast runner, and and I, I think that's the reason it happened. It was bang bang, but still, um, the kid was flying down the line. So I mean, that, I don't think that's on Andujar at all. The fact is that he got to the ball, his footwork was, you know, first step, being quick, getting to that ball, um, you know, crossing the line and then getting down and making a solid throw, like a really strong throw because he's got a good arm um, and it was over the top and it was accurate and it was right there. Just the guy beat it out. That's that's all it was. But the thing is, is that he's he's definitely, you know, obviously he's put in the work. We've heard all of the, the positive things from the coaching staff and, you know, from uh, from him, we, we hear everything we want to hear. 
And I think we are seeing progress from him. So again, you know, we'll we'll monitor it as the season goes on and see how he uh, how he continues. But it's just nice to know. I tweeted this on Bronx Pinstripes. It's nice to know that if needed, we have a lockdown guy for third base if needed. Right, and I know LeMahieu got time at third base in spring training, but over the last couple of years in Colorado, he was just a second baseman because they right. had Nolan Arenado. So it's not like he has had a ton of time at third base, but looked very comfortable there. That's what. That's why I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten anything at short, like at all. Why that was never even considered to be an option. Well, Cashman's not considering it. I, I heard an interview he did a couple of weeks ago. It's not in consideration. No, I know that. I know it's not in consideration. <clears throat> I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why that decision was made, or you know, because he hadn't played third either in Colorado, you know, much. I know he played it a few times, but not not often. So, so then why wasn't short? So, you know, they obviously must not, or he maybe he doesn't feel as comfortable at short. Maybe they don't. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, but the guy is, is very good, very smooth, and uh, again, lockdown guy at, at any point, and we have one, and that's, that's huge. They got the Tigers coming in for three games. Tigers lost 98 games last year. I saw their Vegas over-under was also to lose 98 games this year, so they suck. Uh, Castellanos is probably their best offensive player. Miguel Cabrera is still there, but he's, he's old now, and they've got like another eight years on his contract. They got Fulmer out. He needs Tommy John surgery. Scheduled pitchers are Tyson Ross, Jordan Zimmerman, and Matthew Boyd. Um, got to get back on track. Like, just start, just turn the page. Play well Monday night against the Tigers. Yankees have Herman either starting or opening or pitching at some point. Yeah, they have to just turn the page and move forward, and, and they will. They will. Uh, they will do this. Their backs are against the wall a little bit at this point after losing that. I mean, you know what? As a Yankee, like if you're on that team and you look to see the the team that you just lost out in your in front of your home crowd on opening weekend, like that's got to be embarrassing. That's got to be a a shot to you and like looking at what happened. So I hope they take it personally and they come out and they just destroy Detroit because if they can get some momentum going, they have another opportunity at this Orioles team in Camden Yards next weekend. So, you know, they can throw it right back to them. And uh, But they got to start playing well. What do you think of them talking about the opener? Um, I mean, it is what it... I think it's... Uh, like I said, in the whenever we talked about this, it, it, you know, the, I don't like the opener, but it's almost born out of necessity. And I think it, at this point, when you're looking at the guys that they're considering... Um, I mean, I, I get it. I don't know whether they're calling it an opener or not. Like Herman essentially is. If he gets into trouble early, they're going to go with somebody else. But you're thinking about possibly like starting someone on the side of the pen. Yeah, the, what they talked Herman. about doing is starting somebody in the first inning, like maybe Jonathan Holder or Chad Green, and then having uh, Herman come in like maybe innings two or three I just three don't understand the six. point of that. I don't understand the point of it. Um, well, against the Tigers at least, I don't know if they're playing matchups or if it's just something they want to experiment while their starters are on the uh, on the shelf. But, like, you got Castellanos, you got Miguel Cabrera coming up in the first inning, two big right-handed pitchers. Like, maybe they like a matchup with a Chad Green or or Jonathan Holder against those guys in the first inning and then have Herman come in and just face the bottom of the order and take it from there. Let him go through two two turns in the, in the, in the lineup, innings two through – six and take it from there i guess i don't know it seems for for this particular situation like i again i think the the opener is born out of necessity and this to me doesn't feel like it's it's necessity i feel like it's just you know you're being too cute and trying to do some things that there's no reason for it if it's a mega herman has the the long term if the yankees have the long-term vision of herman being a starter start the guy let him go out there and pitch like everybody else does. I don't know why we would have to jump him in in the second inning after and, and looking at what our other options are. I mean, are you going to put Green, Holder, Sessa? It's just I don't get it. It doesn't well, make sense to me. Sessa pitched pretty good today. He pitched a few innings, so he wouldn't be in there. And part of it was depending on how their bullpen was used today uh, and if they're going to use the opener. So like a lot of guys either pitched or warmed up on Sunday. So I, I don't know how that's going to affect what they do on Monday. And then on, on Tuesday, I believe, I don't know if they've announced a starter yet, but it would be Tanaka's regular turn. And then um, and then I think Loisica's coming up. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to keep your bullpen uh, at a point where, 
you're going to overuse them on a start or on an opener day on the first game of the series when you know that Loisga is going to be making a start at some point that and you you very well might have to um you know you got to have everybody a lot of a lot more guys ready to go at some point uh w- with him there you have to have a fail safe right you you can't go expect Loisga to go out there and, and throw 6 7 innings it's probably not going to happen um so I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it in this particular instance. I don't like it in, in general, uh, but in this particular instance, to me, it's just it's being too cute and doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I just hope it's a moot point and the Yankees can put up like nine runs against a crappy Detroit team. Like, yeah, their offense should be able to carry them through some of these games. Like you got you got one of the best offenses in the last you know decade of baseball as far as names on paper go. So start acting like it. All right, give a grade to John Sterling for his home run call. Uh, Tulo Hitsky, man of Troy, for Tulowitzki's first homer on Saturday. I kind of like it. I, it's <laughs> it's very Sterling esque. The man of Troy, oh, yeah. like the Tulo Hitsky is um is good, and then the it's man a little of Troy, lazy. Tulo Hitsky's a little lazy. It's okay, but Sterling can get away with that. And then you, and then you add the uh, the man of Troy after after the Tulo Hitsky, like. That just seals it in there as a as a as a classic. It's it's a very it's classic Sterling. I'm not saying it's a classic, but it's classic Sterling. I yeah, people were were thrown on uh, throwing around on Twitter to the window to the wall as what he should have gone with, but I think that's too that's too like pop culturey. That's too like too new for for John Sterling would John never Sterling. say that. John, no, John exactly. Sterling would never say that. He's gonna say something very corny and punny like Tula Hitsky. Yes, this is perfect. No, this is exactly what John Sterling is. I'm very, very happy with this call. And it kind of, you know, for Tulowitzki, who's probably been thinking about his first Yankee home run since he was like two years old. Dude was getting emotional on opening day when he finally got a hit. I think it's less about getting a hit as a Yankee and more about him just getting another hit in the major leagues after being discarded by the Blue Jays. Um, But Tulowitzki, you know, showing emotion this weekend. Yeah, and he had an opportunity on Sunday to to really get that moment and to actually get his Yankee moment, uh, quote, you know, at, at home in the pinstripes to it would have been to win the game or tie the game. It would have been to tie the game, I think, or maybe it would win the game. The um, but he had an opportunity to do it and struck out. <laughs> so maybe he was trying a little too hard. <laughs> would have been his signature Yankee moment. It would have been. It would have been perfect. I mean, coming in pinch hitting for Brett Gardner, ready to go. Uh, does it make you feel any better that the Yankees lost, that all of the Red Sox starters got crushed this weekend in Seattle? I'm not really looking at other teams at this point. I just want my guys to, to be right. I, I think uh, it's nice to see that. I mean, that's always – I'm never going to say that that's a bad thing. I think it's nice to see that. I think it's nice to see Chris Sale having uh, issues after he signs a big contract. You know, Evaldi going back to the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. But That is know. the Evaldi we thought he was. <laughs> The uh, but you know these guys, again, will probably. I mean, Chris Sale. The Chris Sale is an interesting, is an interesting player to watch. I think from from now and and you know throughout this contract because, you know, at some point the the problems that he's having in the second half of each year are gonna be the entire year, and he's gonna be a very very tough guy to manage and to deal with, and like they're gonna be walking out with kid gloves with this guy at some point soon. Right, and he had a dip in velocity on opening day. He was thrown in the the low to mid-90s versus the upper 90s. I was listening to Boston Radio the next day, and their theory is actually that this is by design and that the Red Sox coaches are telling him to not basically go balls to the wall in the first half like he does every year and dominates and save a little bit for the second half so he doesn't get injured. I guess that's so dangerous to say though. Like, it's, it's don't try as hard. Like, like that's how you get hurt. That's how you get knocked around. That's, that's how, how you, you get knocked me- around. Basically, that's how you lose your mechanics. That's how yeah. you. There's a bunch of things that are bad with that. So I can't imagine any team actually saying that to somebody. But at the same time, like, you know, when it's er- when it is early in the season and you're seeing the velocity lower than you normally do on some of these guys, like I'm not looking at that as any kind of worry until you get a little bit deeper into the season. Like, there's a lot of times a lot of these guys don't reach you know their normal velocity until you know a couple weeks into the season when their arm is is even more uh loosened up especially as you're you know i know he's what 30 years old now or he's about to be 30 but his arm is a lot older than that (laughs) i don't know how his arm is still attached to his body in the first place but yeah it's a there's a lot of wear on that arm yeah and look at patances dealing with velocity issues too so 
Right, but, it, he it, always, it, but he always had that. Ex- that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, no, I know, I know. That's what you're talking about. Is just like is a is a slow starter as far as velocity. He's always been like that. Yes, now there's some some issues happening with the uh, with the shoulder, but in the past there have been no issues, and he still had a velocity dip. Right, right. All right, let's move into some mailbag questions. We got a few, a lot of angry ones, uh, as can be expected. Three people wanted to talk about Brett Gardner. So I'm going to just summarize it all, but I'll give everyone a shout out. So the first one came from George Kelly at George Kelly six on Twitter. Second one from Upstate Sports at Upstate Upstate Sports one, and the final one from our uh, old friend Georgie Costanza, uh, basically asking a few things about Brett Gardner. Number one, why are the Yankees leading him off? Number two, why does he look so bad? And number three. When are we going to see Clint Frazier? That's the tone of all of these questions we got about Brett Gardner. Clint Frazier is the driving motivation behind all of this. When when you see a guy that is up and coming and ready to go, and especially on Twitter where you see a lot of people who are fans of Clint Frazier already and are ready for the old guard to leave and they want the new guy up, uh, that's that's going to be the, the hot take out there for sure. But Gardner didn't have a good series. Uh but at the same time, like he still works the count. Like that's why he's up there. Uh, we saw in the to, he passed the baton to Judge uh, to, when Judge got that hit, and that wouldn't have happened if Gardner didn't work the count and get on base. So like there are opportunities where Brett Gardner is seeing a lot of pitches, doing his job as a leadoff hitter, and that's why he's there. That's the reason he's there. He's been a leadoff hitter for you know the majority of his career, and you look at the way that he works the count and gives the other guys opportunities to look and see what their uh the pitches are uh, and that's the reason but what has he done in the last year to earn being a leadoff hitter now i, I just don't think there's anybody else who's earned it dj besides hicks what about lemayhew i mean yeah we could talk about that's a new guy but who's earned it in pinstripes with uh they're gonna the brett gardner has because lemayhew has no, i know brett gardner over his career over a, the last decade has you know a decade of brett gardner obviously he's earned it but I think we might see a switch this week and have LeMahieu leading off because I, I think Brett Gardner is still a, can be a valuable piece to this team. I don't know if he's an everyday outfielder anymore, though. Well, no, he's not. I, mean, that's, I didn't want him back this year because of that. Not that I don't love Brett Gardner. I do. I, I think Brett Gardner is a, a good player, and I will remember him fondly as being a New York Yankee. I just think at this time there was no reason to bring him back for that. Like they could have gone other routes that were to me better opportunities. And if if Aaron Hicks is not injured, he's not the leadoff guy right now. It's most likely going to be Hicks. So um, when Hicks does come back, you're going to see him in that spot a lot more, and you will see if Gardner is playing. You know, you'll see him in the nine spot. That's that's where you will see him. And I think they could just make a switch. Like Lemayhew was batting ninth on Sunday, Gardner number one. Why not just flip them? Because I think if they're worried about a whole lefty-righty thing, like there's not much difference there after the first inning. No, but I, I think if they are doing the righty-lefty thing, I mean, you don't think? Do you think Gardner's going to start if they go up against a lefty? Yeah, because Talkman's also a lefty. So if Gardner doesn't start, Talkman's starting. I don't think. No, no, no. I mean, uh, I mean, lead off. Oh, lead off. Uh, no, probably not. Yeah. So, but but because Hicks is a switch hitter and now he's injured, there's no. There's no guy that they've put in that spot, you know, multiple times before. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they might toy with the Aaron Judge thing leading off. Maybe they put LeMahieu in that spot. Like, I think LeMahieu is a, is a good opportunity there. He, he could do that. Uh, Glaber Torres, I could see in that spot. Um, those are probably the two guys I would put in there. Yeah, bad weekend for Gardner. It's a bad weekend for a lot of players. They can just turn the page, hopefully, like we said. Next up, Frank Calendrillo at PDC Frank. Do you think Aaron Boone not having the same players at the same infield positions every day will lead to more errors? So is Andujar, you know, DHing one day, third the next day, LeMahieu shifting around, switching around uh, Torres and Tulo, Bird and Voigt, um, as we saw playing, you know, one day it was uh, Voigt got the start twice, Bird the next day. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have inconsistencies in the field with guys playing together, uh, you could it could lead to um, some issues. But um, I, you know, I don't know if it will necessarily lead to more errors. I mean, when you have Lemayhew in there in, at, at third base instead of Andujar, you're not going to get more errors. So I think it it just depends on the situation. But um, I, I don't think it really matters as much when you have like Glaber Torres moving from second to short. 
they're still getting the reps in. They're still getting, uh, you know, the, the time in the field. And uh, I don't I don't think it'll affect it too much. I mean, if you're looking at a chemistry thing like up the middle, that's possible. But with all the shifting and things like now, like these guys are shifting all over the field at this point. And like today's game, they're they're not just in one spot. They're they're in so many different spots, even within their own position that I don't think it affects them as much as it maybe it would have, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And we know there's just going to be a rotation between second and short because they, we know they're going to give as much time off as they can to Tulowitzki. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you see guys like – remember when, when Chase Headley would play uh, second base? I mean, he would literally – Girardi would always, like, move him around um, and not, not put him in the shortstop hole but move him over to, like, second base. Like, these guys are, are shifting so much and, and – you know, even if it's not a prototypical shift where you have guys all on the left side or guys all on the right side, there there's dramatic shifts within a position too, where they're you know shading way up the middle at second base or at short or third, you know, going almost into the shortstop hole. So these guys are have different comfort levels, I think, at this point. What do you think of the first baseman after the first three games? Are we still calling it a battle? I mean, it seems like a platoon right now. It, it right. doesn't. It doesn't seem like a battle by any means. It seems like they're both playing. But well, it's they're battling. Again, that's because for, of the injuries. They know. I mean, I think they each know that one of them is on this roster long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely for them. It's for sure a competition. There's no doubt about it. Like they have to. One of these guys. I want one of these guys to like take this job by the balls. And the the guy that's very clearly the fan favorite at this point is is Voight is uh, and. I think people are still just kind of over Bird. And, um, but, you know, we saw early success from both of these guys where Bird hit a home run, Voight hit a home run. And that neither home run, one of them were great. That eighth inning home run for Bird on opening day saved an otherwise ugly opening day for him because he, uh, he struck out three times before that. Yes, he did. And he was, he was getting it too from the stadium. He's getting I mean, some booze. He was getting the booze and then he hit it out. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, uh, but yeah, I think it's, um, you know, there's really no no leader at this point. I think they're both they're both playing well. Yeah, well, playing well enough. Well enough. I mean, I I didn't like what I saw defensively out of either of them this weekend. I, I still think Bird's a better defender than Voight, but um, I, I want to see how Voight. Like, I know that the that we're all still like, you know, the wool is being pulled. Like, we're very excited about this guy. It's he's 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 a he's a fun dude. Like, he's he's the guy that everybody wants to be the first baseman. He's, he's like a reincarnate of Jason Giambi. He's like a big meathead that is hitting the ball, hits dingers, can't, hit, can't even eat sunflower seeds, just give me the home runs. And uh, he goes about his business as, as like the underdog guy. And Bird's just a kind of like a, a weird, the weird guy in the corner that nobody can relate to. So, you know, it's, uh, they're so polar opposite in the way that they are. And I think that the way that like fans look at them, it's just interesting how, how it's going to work. Because I think people want Voight to be the guy and just to take it away. I wrote a blog on Friday morning after opening day comparing him to Biff Tannen when the timeline skewed and Luke Voigt, like at some point in the last year, something happened and we are in an alternate reality where he was traded after being sent down to the minors a number of times from St. Louis and boom, all of a sudden, 2019 opening day, Yankees cleanup hitter. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a, it's a nice rags to riches story. It really is for, for the kid. And that How do you uh, go... How do you go from getting this. traded for tra- Chase and Shreve and Giovanni Gallegos to being the opening day cleanup hitter? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> on the New York Yankees. Right. On the right. Bronx Bombers. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty wild. It really is pretty wild. But, I mean, that's that's a, a tribute to the guy who's had a lot of belief in his own abilities and just waiting for that right opportunity. And, you know, maybe we're, we, we should be giving credit to the Yankees analytics staff, right, too, who right, saw a lot right, of hard-hit right. balls in the minor analytics. leagues and just – Thought he was maybe the, the, just thought he was unlucky at some points, and that they, he was an undervalued player. So, you know, I think there's a lot of credit to go around for identifying who he is, and then for the guy not getting down and just keep grinding and grinding and grinding, and now he's here. <clears throat> All right, it's a good Fine. old American story, man. It's, it's the hard work, a little elbow grease. It is, and he's a Midwest boy, so you know. All right. Final one from Fleet. Hey, my wife Kirsten and I have been longtime fans of the show and we're flying into New York from Dallas for a game next week. Can you all suggest for people making an overnight trip to a couple trip a couple places without monster crowds to go for two to three hour pregame or postgame for nibbles and beer slash cocktails? Slight bias towards places with Italian food. The reason I bring this up, well, first of all, is you should probably check out Arthur Ave uh, in the Bronx for Italian food. Ton of good restaurants there. It's like a 10-minute Uber from the stadium. But 
want uh, to shamelessly plug the upcoming video series we have um, coming out. Actually, two video series. First one is, uh, you've heard JJ talk about it, Stadium Eats. Um, he's done it in the past, and he's bringing it to uh, now to, to Bronx Pinstripes, where he reviews um, food and drinks and bars and stuff like that in stadiums. The first one, Scott, you were in this video uh, from Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, will be out this Tuesday. Yeah, we uh, we ate some pastrami, we drank some uh, some some beers, and, uh, and 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 basically told everybody what we thought of them. So it's going to be a, a fun series. JJ, like you said, has done it in the past, but he's going to be going around to all the different places inside Yankee Stadium too, reviewing all the food in Yankee Stadium, um, reviewing you know some of the beers, going around the, to the different restaurants and bars of Yankee Stadium, and just giving everybody kind of an inside look on what to look for, whether you're local and haven't tried everything and want to try new stuff in the stadium, or if you are traveling in uh, from out of town, it's a great place to go and, and you know, get some uh, good tips on what to eat and where to eat. And the other video series is Dom, who was obviously, you know, the, our intern for a while, still helps us out. He started up a video series this week in Yankees baseball, where he just fires through all of the top headlines from the week in case you missed anything. Those videos will be out every Friday. There's been two of those videos. All of the videos are going to be on YouTube. They're going to be on all of our social channels as well. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, make sure you guys are following. Uh, but go check out the YouTube page where there's a couple playlists uh, all organized nicely. All right, Scott, we made it through the first weekend. Long way to go. I, barely, I, I literally barely made it through this weekend. <laughs> right. It was, and, uh, and, it was crazy. And it's like, of course, the first uh, full episode of the regular season. We got to deal with a late night because of a rain delay and of some more technical issues, of course, because we cannot do a podcast late at night without technical issues because that would just be too easy. It would be too easy. That would be entirely too easy. So, look, man, I'm I'm ready for for Detroit. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna see this team turn around, and and I, maybe maybe it's Detroit coming in at the wrong time for their sake because this team uh, must be hungry at this point for some some good wins and to to crush the ball, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a good rebound against this to get some momentum and then stomp on the throats of Baltimore in Camden Yards. There we go. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. Next episode, Thursday. We're twice a week for the rest of the season. Let's go, baby. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. What a horrible weekend. You lose two of three to the frickin' Orioles. I mean, they're terrible. They're gonna lose a hundred plus games. Horrible defense, horrible pitching. And why do you sign DJ LeMayhew, who by the way has been absolutely fantastic to start the season, and you sign him as a contact hitter, and then you put him in the nine hole. Makes absolutely no sense. Terrible weekend. Gotta regroup, go Yanks. But what else can I say? I know it's only been three games, but in this three-game sample size, the Yankees are a shitty team. They suck. They suck. When you lose to the Baltimore Orioles two out of three in opening series at home, you suck. Now, they get to play another shitty team, the Detroit Tigers, and they're probably gonna lose two out of three to them also. What do you fucking do? This team is so similar to 2018, it's actually scary. You know, the lack of fundamentals, leaving so many runners on base, the pure lack of situational hitting. Uh, starting pitching wasn't so bad this weekend, with the exception of Jay half today. Um, our bullpen um, is not very good. Or, at the very least, it's been hardly mismanaged by Aaron Boone like it was last year. Just not impressive. And it just baffles me that Yankees can't figure out this freaking high school baseball team that calls the Orioles. Gotta give them credit, but still, the Yankees beat themselves. Look, it's obviously early. The third game of the season is not the time to begin panicking and thinking that the season is over. We all know this. And obviously, at the end of the season, the Yankees will be, at the very least, in the hunt for the playoffs. But what these last two games have showed us 
is that not hitting with runners in scoring position, making errors, and not coming up big in the moment that it counts is not the recipe to get there. Let's see if we can get it done against Detroit. My, oh my, what a way to start. First off, we have Boone talking about the team putting their best foot forward. What he needs to do is start putting his foot up people's asses. Number two, we knew it was going to be a rough start with the pitching situation. But my God, this team cannot hit with runners in position. I don't want to single anyone out. But John Carlo, Mikey Stanton, whatever he wants to call himself. Listen, if he quits swinging at O2 sliders in the dirt, I'll call him whatever he wants. Like, this team has to start hitting with runners in position. It's so frustrating. Thankfully, the Red Sox lost an equally crappy game this weekend. We just need to unplug the team and restart it while it's early. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.